I can't believe we're actually doing this. It's been so long. Ronald Reagan knew it when he said trust but verify. The authorities know and indeed demand it. So if monitoring is a key element of an effective compliance program, how should it be done and who should do it? Welcome to Untangled, the podcast where we untangle the intractable compliance problems. And I'm joined today by Stephanie and Jim. Hello both. Hi Alex. Good. So as fellow compliance professionals, we all know that the programs we develop must contain elements of monitoring and review of the activities within the company in order to be deemed effective. But what does effective monitoring look like and who should be doing it? Stephanie, what do you think? It's a, it's a big topic, Alex, but I think um, I, I think I, what I'd like to do is start by sharing how I think it shouldn't be done. So, yeah, we've we've all seen good and bad examples, I think, across our careers. But one of the things that really strikes me um, that's, that's used very frequently within monitoring programs uh, is often referred to as live monitoring or, or in our industry, sort of ride alongs uh, with field based people. And um, I've certainly seen this mandated in, in you know, previous times by um, regulators under corporate integrity agreements. But I would really challenge whether or not that comes close to constituting effective monitoring, um, primarily because I really don't see how a compliance person sitting next to a business person can really yield um, anything close to a real life situation. Um, you know, you're really going to have a, a massive observer bias introduced just by the value of sitting, virtue of sitting alongside somebody. So, you know, I think there are there are there's a time and a place for each type of monitoring, um, but I think we need to understand why we would do what we would do. Okay, so live monitoring sucks. Is that right, Jim? <laughs> I like I like the summary, Alex. So, I would probably have a, a slightly different view to Stephanie there, and and I'd. Start by saying it depends what we're really trying to achieve from our our monitoring activities generally. So obviously we've we've you know the question you've just asked relates to live event monitoring, and I, I I'd say this if if the purpose was to detect misconduct or breaches of policy, then I'd agree. Yeah, I mean anybody who who blatantly breached a policy or did something that was wrong whilst you were sat next to them. They, they don't really deserve to be there in the first place, I would say. But if the purpose of monitoring really is to build relationships with, with, our, with our teams between the compliance function and the people on the ground who are ultimately the ones who are being governed by all of these policies and procedures, and if it's to understand how well we're really doing our job at deploying our compliance program and making sure that it's fit for purpose, if it's looking at how well we delivered training or does the policy even make sense? Does it help them to do their job? If that's the question that we're looking to answer, then I don't see a better way of doing monitoring than actually going out on the ground with our sales force or with, with our team members and, and, and spending a day in their seat and, and asking those questions. What works well? What doesn't work well? What helps you? What could we do better? So I would start then, take that question back, take it up a level and say, what, what are we trying to achieve with our monitoring program? So why do we uh, do monitoring then? I mean, obviously, from my perspective, I think it's to find things that you can improve, but you're saying it's also to help build relationships. What what type of monitoring have you seen, Jim? So I, I think uh, there's two two questions there, really. What is the 
purpose of monitoring and then you know what what have we seen that's um you know, what types of monitoring can we see so i'd start with the first point what's the point of monitoring and and almost take that up to risk ultimately it's, it's part of our risk management framework if we think about our our risks that an organization faces generally speaking we we start to manage those risks um by by building appropriate policies and procedures and and controls for want of a better term um to, to address those specific risks so monitoring really falls from there for me and, and what we need to do is to understand what that control landscape i.e the policies and the procedures look like and then from there understand what we can monitor within those so be them uh, systems and processes that are captured end to end within a system or things that happen for instance somebody meeting somebody else what would we expect to see around that event from a documentation perspective and then knowing those things and knowing what our policies and processes require allows us to then say okay and how do we best monitor this is this something that the compliance team does with data so if we have an end-to-end -end solution that sits within a piece of software, for example, then we can probably monitor a good portion of that from data analytics. But if it's something that happens more of an interaction basis, so it's people out in the field meeting somebody in our industry, healthcare professionals, for example, then what documentation surrounds that? We might have a CRM solution where a call is recorded. Okay, um, we can monitor some of that from an analytics perspective. At the same time, we may need to do sample reviews, which is another type of monitoring exercise. And then we think about, well, who's best place to do that? Is it the business themselves? So would, we, would we expect a line manager you know, to, to use the three lines of defense model, which I'm not a big fan of, but, but line oh, management. Wait, wait, wait. You're, not a, you're not a fan of the three lines of defense. Despicable, Jim. What, what, what's, uh, <laughs> you, you don't have a tattoo of it on your, uh, on your arm. What, 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 where are you not I won't go too off topic with, with that, but I, I, I like to think more about prevention um, than detection and defense sorry um so I, I like to think about improving behaviors and and, and partnering with businesses rather than defending against some all-encompassing evil um uh, the, okay. the concept of the three lines of defense model i agree with i just maybe it's the semantics associated with the terms but um but coming back to that then so we look at our line managers and say what can they reasonably be expected to do and and then how do we report from that and then we look at what can the in-country teams do from a monitoring perspective what can we do for perhaps a global perspective and then what can we can we monitor um with, with analytics itself and sorry i'm 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 hogging the airtime here um but then um looking at your second question within that alex you asked about what types of monitoring activities do we see so i would say yeah we do have a role with live event monitoring or live monitoring and when i say events i mean any any activities that take place out in the field um, as well as ride-alongs um, <clears throat> we also have our data analytics um, program which we're seeing more and more of a lean towards certainly in pharmaceuticals there's a big drive towards using data um, within our organizations to help tell a story and, and that story often is how well are we doing with a compliance program and there's several questions that we look to answer with those but i'll stop there and allow stephanie an opportunity to address the same questions well, just Thanks, just Jim. listening to Jim's uh, answer there, Stephanie. Yeah, uh, any any thoughts and reflections there, or additions? I, I'm in complete agreement, actually, and, and I think Jim put it very eloquently about what are the what are the different options available to us, and and how how should we best use them. I I do think the the key point here is that 
monitoring should serve more than one purpose. So yes, monitoring can help us to work out whether or not policies are being followed, whether people are doing what they should be doing. Um, and I guess that's where the, the defence kind of uh, point comes in. But actually, I think the the real value um, for for me in a in a monitoring program is is twofold. One is engaging the business in understanding the the risks and how those things are being um, actioned in reality from being able to see the data associated with with the activities that they're conducting. And then secondly, and 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 I guess you know, slightly more selfishly from a compliance and ethics leader perspective is what does it say about our program and how our program is working? Um, and I, I was sharing with you earlier an experience I had with a with another compliance leader when I asked about, um, you know, how did we know whether our program was working and whether or not we should seek that that information and that feedback through through monitoring and, and received a very negative response that, well, we don't want to ask the business what they think of our program because they might tell us something we don't want to hear. Um, and from my perspective, I think that's exactly what we should do, because if there are things that are wrong with our program or or could be improved, that's exactly what monitoring is there to help us do. Yeah, and certainly I've more. seen I, I've seen, you know, working at companies, sending out annual surveys, which are tailored basically to ask, you know, the, the perception of the, the compliance program, what could be improved. So again, that routine kind of annual survey so that you can track and trend over time, I suppose, as well. But uh, sorry, Jim, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Yeah, no, I think you just, just made a really good point. So this, the programs that I've I've designed around the monitoring piece would would, would, would do exactly that. But we, we take it to, to, to the granular level of saying, how good was that training? Did we do it right? Could yeah. it have been done better? And we ask that every time. And we don't ask every single person that because that would be time consuming for, for them and too much of an impact. But we sample the, the the audiences from around the world and say, what can we do better next time? Did it make sense? Um, was it deployed in the right way? Because with the advancements of digital technologies now, we, we, we can think creatively. We don't need to take a whole you know, field force off the road for a day to get them into a room to teach them. That might not be the most effective way, way to deploy a, a policy um, or a training. Um, Equally, um, we, we look at internally, how well did we deploy it from a tactical perspective and what can we do better so that we're continually improving. And that, that for me is what this is about. We talk about compliance program effectiveness as, as, a, as a topic. We see the DOJ focusing on that very much. And, and for me, what, what that's about is not just, you know, are we covering the right risk? Can we tick a box and say we've got a policy on, on bribery and corruption? Do people understand that policy. Do they know how to apply that in their day jobs? Have we trained them adequately to be able to do their day jobs and make the right decisions that were within their control? Um, so, so for me, okay. it's all about continual improvement. And yes, there are other questions that we might want to ask, like, you know, are, it, are these policies being applied? Are the processes being followed? Um, but we should also be asking, is it right? Do we set our limit correctly? Does that stop you from being able to do your job? And the only way we do that is by building relationships and talking to people. Very good. And um, I'm, I'm thinking also in terms of who should do it, because um, if I think of the second line of prevention, as I've just renamed the model for Jim's benefit, um, you know, does it always need to be compliance that is doing the monitoring? What, what experience do you have in working with other, other groups to uh, perform monitoring? Over to you, Stephanie. I think um, monitoring should be a, a, a joint effort. Of, across the organization 
And, and whilst from a program design perspective, it might sit with compliance and ethics to sort of build out, I really think that the actual implementation of, of monitoring belongs with everybody. Um, with a different focus, different perspective, different activities involved, perhaps depending on who's doing it. So, for example, I can see the role of compliance and ethics uh, being beyond sort of building what that monitoring program should look like, which should be you know risk based and based on what you're trying to achieve with your objective, is also looking at the the big picture for the whole organisation. So, you know, the monitoring that compliance and ethics does, alongside understanding how well the program is working, should be you know, what are the systemic um, uh, issues or, or information that, that presents the big picture for the organisation that we can learn from and that leadership should be informed about? Um, then I think also what compliance and ethics can do is help to collate the data, collate the information, build the dashboards and, and share it with the business. Then I think quite a lot of the actual transactional monitoring can actually be done within the business or with other functions, for example, finance. Um, or, or whoever it happens to be, procurement, depending on what the process is and what the controls are. So I think it's really a shared um, responsibility across the organisation. I would agree with you, Stephanie. And, and, and I think the last point I was going to make as well was exactly that. You know, monitoring is, is a cross-functional activity and it's a cross-functional benefit. And we can take some very simple examples of how that, how that happens. So you know, some of the monitoring that we might do from a financial perspective looking for things like um, fraud or potential uh, indicators of bribery and corruption actually that analysis may also support good financial planning it might help the business to make strategic decisions about where to focus efforts and resources based on some of the outcomes and, and, and the um, interpretation of the data that we might already be analyzing we can look at how we solve that cross-functionally and we might be able to then pull better resources better headcount to address bigger problems than just one compliance issue, for example. So for me, monitoring is a cross-functional team effort. So thank you both. Compliance and ethics clearly has a role to work with the business to build the plan based on the objectives uh, that you're trying to achieve. Uh, build the methodology, execute with the business, interpret the results, whether that's through dashboards or other things, and build the corrective plan. Clearly, we have allies. Uh, you've mentioned finance, procurement, and the business itself, of course. Live monitoring needs to be used carefully and beware of the observer effect. Um, and interesting to hear the trend that monitoring of the compliance and ethics program is not tran just transactional. Certainly it's beyond that, whether it comes to training, you mentioned, Jim, or communications or other areas of the program. And indeed asking the people we serve whether the compliance and ethics program is working for them. Thank you both very much. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please like, follow, comment and join the conversation on the normal channels. And I look forward to having you with us next time. Thank you all very much. Bye.